Hang on. Hang on. Halt. Welcome to This Might Be a Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with first-time guest and fellow teacher, Susie Vanskank, and we're going to talk about the song Climbing the Walls off of the O's. Here we go. I can't talk, I gotta go. I was grinding my teeth, I was wasting my youth, and using up my teeth. Now I'm done, chewing my nails, hanging my head, chasing my tail. It got so bad, I quit my job, and I got a new job, climbing the walls. Susie, how you doing? doing we great. haven't been talking for 25 minutes. We just got on the phone, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Talk, talking teacher stuff, talking parent stuff. Um, yeah, we'll definitely be talking about our kids. So if people uh, don't like it, they can go straight to hell. <laughs> just kidding. Um, I love you all, listeners. We got, you know, our listenership's a nice bunch. You know, TMBG fans in general mm-hmm. are kind, considerate people. And, you know, lots of them are going to be older and have kids, though my guests are from 19... Actually, I have a 16-year-old coming on in August. I had to run it by her mom first, who was the They Might Be Giants fan. Like, uh, Mom, you got to sign this permission slip to be on the podcast. No, I was just <laughs> like, okay, let me put your mom in touch with me. Well, you know, I've been <laughs> to 16, a lot of, like, yeah. my kids are 20 and 26. They're both huge They Might Be Giants fans, maybe not as quite... As much as me, they they listen to other things too, but I would it would be interesting. Maybe you could do a show yeah. called it, "They Might Be Grownups," and it would be grown-up children <laughs> of "They Might Be Giants" fans that are now oh. fans themselves. That is a good Patreon idea. <laughs> I mean, also, you know, if, if you know after this episode, you're open to choose another one, and you could do a whole family episode. I can have all you. Oh, that'd be fun. That is a good idea because. Yeah, because I do talk to, yeah, so like 16 to like the, in your 70s. So I'm not your oldest guest at 57. No, you're not the oldest. <laughs> no, no, you're not. Uh, I mean, because they're, they've been a band for 40 years. So if someone got into them as a teenager when they were first starting, you're going to be in your 50s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know, depending on how young you got into them. So actually, yeah, that's a good segue to get into your fandom. Um, how did you get into the MIP Giants? When, where, how, why? Oh, why did you get into the MIP Giants? <laughs> well, you know, because I'm a teacher, I like really tried to like take notes on all of this before mm. we started because that's what we do. Love it. Uh, and Love it. Is your handwriting really good? Because mine is not. It was, my handwriting's terrible. And if my brain were they might be Giants song, it would be fingertips. So I'm all over <laughs> the place. Um, but I kind yeah. of traced it as sort of a classical to punk to they might be giants pipeline wow okay let's hear it let's hear let's hear about the classical. well i grew up listening to classical music just because that's what my parents listened to i always thought it was completely normal and i studied piano and clarinet give me me some more specifics though you know i'm a music teacher i'm down with classical Um, what what were their favorites well they actually they love mozart they love beethoven um and i when I started playing in orchestra, I really enjoyed some Shostakovich and Tchaikovsky. And nice. my parents also really had a thing for uh, like, oh, it's like easy listening kind of music, almost like, like Madhavani. Sure. So I just kind of grew up listening to that. Enya? Hmm? <laughs> Enya? <laughs> they weren't be more quite 80s. there yet. No. Um, yeah. So, and I, again, I didn't think there was anything specifically unusual about that uh and when my brother got he went to this music festival um this was like a camp it was called tanglewood and we went up to see the boston symphony orchestra and i got this t-shirt and i was so proud of it i was in seventh grade and i wore it to school and i got roasted (laughs) and Uh. i was like okay (laughs) this isn't Oh my god. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of a story. I don't think I've ever told this story in the podcast. I don't think, though, I can't remember. You know, we've gone on five years. I can't remember five years ago. I can't remember five days ago. Um, uh, I was big into The Who for when I was little. So my my dad, like I've brought up, I've talked about how my dad loved Bowie. Uh, my parents both loved The Beatles. My dad loves Fleetwood Mac. And um, I never took to them as much, though, you know, respect. And uh, they definitely have a cool story, and Stevie Nicks is awesome. Um, and my dad loved The Who, so I was really big into The Who from a young age. And like, I look like I remember loving. There's very specific songs I remember liking, like as an en- elementary schooler, where you're like, I like this song. You're not like, I like this band. You're like, play that one song, you know, where your kids would be like, play that song, play it again, play it again. Okay, do you want to hear any more? They might be giants. No, just play Drown the Clown. It, that's that's Zinnia's favorite. Drown the Clown. Um, I mean, she likes all of them. She likes their voices or whatever. And she likes Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, which is a throwback at this point. It really is. That's um, funny. But s- we had this day in sixth grade music class. Yeah, sixth grade music class. It was just like a general music class. I was in band, too, but that was like before school and after school. So during school, I had a music class that was just like all the kids, you know, some of them not that didn't like music, whatever, like the kind of stuff that I would teach. Um, where, you know, you're trying to win over half the kids. So I loved music, but then we had a day where she was like, you can bring in a CD, which was the style at the time. Bring in a CD. <laughs> Give me the YouTube link. Bring in a CD of uh, a band you like. And, you know, as long as it's got appropriate lyrics, I will play it and then we can talk about it. And so, um, and it was it was the age of like the explicit content, little sticker or the little logo. So, Parents would more likely know what had bad words. The PMRC. Anywho, I, I brought in the Who uh, Tommy, and I had her play Pinball Wizard. 
And to me, that's like fucking like, it's still like, it's one of the greatest rock songs of all time. I mean, Tommy, like Quadrophenia really, you know, as a grown up, I realized that's the better of their rock operas. And, you know, I love uh, Who's Next in their very first album, Who Sing My Generation, probably my favorites of theirs. But anyway, uh, Tommy's great. I mean, obviously they've done plays, they've done made a movie of it. Uh, that song is fucking amazing. But in 1994, probably, 1993, pro- actually 93 probably, I was young for my grade, so if it was beginning of sixth grade, it would, yeah. 1993, I'm playing a song from a dead rock band, like a classic rock band, and not like Zeppelin or Sabbath or something, like the ones that kids would know. For some reason, The Who was like B-tier or whatever. They hadn't even heard of it. And it starts off with acoustic guitar, you know, and they're already like, oh, what is this stupid shit? Like, you know, it's the era of Nirvana and like Pearl Jam right. and Soundgarden and all this. So it starts off with a ding, 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 ding. But then it's like, you know the big pete townsend guitars and i'm like just listen for five seconds like here's the guitars and then the big like keith moon drums i'm like what is wrong with you people they're like this is some wimpy shit and i'm like fuck you no it isn't like what's wrong with you and you know i'm like the kid wearing sweatpants and not like like just a total dork i wasn't you know i was into they might be giants for like another year maybe um or right around that time i guess but the Who were probably I probably considered the Who my favorite band at mm-hmm. the time. You know, I got past MC Hammer and I still loved Weird Al, but I wasn't gonna bring in Weird Al. You kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> so you got shit for this T-shirt. Yes, I sure did. Uh, so then continue on with, with your musical tale. Okay, well, and you know, so I realized that like I should probably at least know a little bit about what my peers are listening to, and I would, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but still just really never found anything that that really got me too terribly excited and then somehow i can't remember the specifics of it exactly but somehow i got my hands on a, a cassette because remember i'm 57 of the buzzcocks yeah. singles going steady nice and fantastic. i fantastic wore it out <laughs> i mean like to where i don't know yeah. if you are get into uh cassettes but you would listen to them and they'd start to squeak yes i uh yeah because i was starting to buy my own music or have or at request it for gifts or whatever in you know 86 87 so i was getting cassettes i still have five weird albums on cassettes because i i inherited the pack rat is from my mom (laughs) and I don't know if I have my MC Hammers right. or my Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle motion picture soundtrack albums, uh, but I have plenty of cassettes. And my bands in high school, you know, before CD burners were a thing, like we'd record on boomboxes. Right. So I'm very familiar with the squeaky the squeak, tape. Yes, the squeak. And um, so then I just really started getting into what I call the kind of melodic punk. I liked the the Damned. Uh, as I said before, the Buzzcocks and, and things like that. And then I just really started listening to punk almost exclusively, much to my parents' chagrin. <laughs> <laughs> and went on to, when I went to college, I went to college in North Carolina um, and joined the college radio, kind of found my people there. And they... What year? What years were you in college? I, so we're talking college rock. What years? I graduated from high school in 1984. So I was in college from 84 to 88. Um, That's a good year for some college it, Oh my rock, gosh. The college I radio was so good anything, back then. Yeah. God. I mean, my 
second favorite band. I'd say Jesus and Mary Chain are probably my second favorite. Okay, band. I do remember I them. Yeah. I th- I think they've bumped uh, the Mountain Goats out, and they're more of a nineties band. Okay, and I, career, I like but, the Mountain Goats yeah. too. They're, they're fun. But like, oh yeah, Who's uh, Do, yep. Dinosaur Junior, yep. Minutemen, Sonic Youth, Pixies. I mean, these are all. And then the more hardcore stuff, you know, or Descendants or Dead Kennedys, Black Flag, Minor Threat, all that. Right. Great, great. I mean, the '80s are great. Like people in general will be like, '80s music sucked," but they're just thinking of like new wave. Right. They're not thinking of. And they're thinking of bad new wave because right. there's good new wave. You know, Blondie, The Cars. I mean, yeah. there's plenty B-52s, of good new waves. That's a great band. B-52s, right? Band. The Cure were a great new wave band that became a great, like, goth rock band or whatever. So there's tons of good 80s music, and people are just not looking hard They really aren't. The 80s was um, bad music, yeah. And So, yeah. so what was your favorite band in college? Oh, gosh. I'm going to have to say my favorite band in college was I was probably still a Buzzcocks fan all the way through college. I mean, that's I get cool fixated as fuck. on a band know. and I will listen to them all the time. And it just so happens that I got fixated on They Might Be Giants like decades ago. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, um, they let me do with, uh, with one of my friends, we did the punk show, the weekly punk show together. And we kind of started getting more into the, into the harder stuff. Like you mentioned, Dead Kennedys, Black Flag, Minor Threat. Uh, Corrosion of Conformity was huge because we were in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah, yeah. they were a Raleigh-based band. And so I went for about three years where I was listening to a lot of punk, but not so much melody. And yeah, I was starting to get a little tired of it. Um, sure. But I hadn't heard They Might Be Giants yet. And I'm kicking myself because I bet you there were promo records in that radio station that I just didn't know about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I could go back and like peek through all of the albums... Um, and then they let me do uh, a show a couple of times called The Lone Groover, where you would take one artist and just do an hour of just them. Oh, that sounds amazing. And I hadn't listened to They Might Be Giants yet. So when I had the opportunity mm. to do that, for some bizarre reason, I picked Public Image Limited <laughs> to do one on. Yeah, okay. But- <laughs> wow, yeah. So scaring off a lot of people there. I mean... <laughs> I I can't assume that my listeners, especially my younger listeners, would know. Well, do you want to tell them who, you know, I mean, I'm sure they've heard the precursor band to Public Image Limited, or at least had heard of them. Tell tell the the kids who Pill are. Yes. 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 And then they put a tie on Johnny Rotten and then changed the name of the band. (laughs) I just remember the (laughs) cover having a tie, and I'm like, oh, my God. And then I think I did another episode. um, Yeah. I'm pretty sure probably just did the damned. I was kind of gravitated to the British stuff. I don't know why. Uh, oh, but not no no Ramones or television or Patty Patty Smith. No, or, not really. I you know, yeah. uh, and I don't know why. I, if the Ramones came on, I wouldn't turn it off. But it wasn't something that I really sought out. Um, okay. They really didn't do a whole right. lot for me. And Patty Smith, fantastic, but I didn't really seek it out. Um, okay. So, yeah, and I got really bogged down in a lack of melody. And when I graduated, I mean, Buzzcocks, though, they got they they got the they've got the great melodies. But we start when we started playing a lot more of the thrash and a lot less melody. Uh, yeah, a lot more of that talky post-punk where they're just kind of like yelling at you, yeah. talking at you. Yeah, you got the hardcore where they're screaming without a melody, and then you got the post-punk 
where they're talking at you without a melody. Right. <laughs> that that's really coming back. There's a lot of bands, and one that they might be giants like a lot. I don't know if I'd call them post punk, but Cheek Face. Have you heard Cheek no. Face? They have very cute, funny, witty kind of a lot of like ironic lyrics and stuff like that. That uh, a lot of the Mappy Giants fans like, and there'll be like a chorus that has melody, mm-hmm. but like the verse. He'll kind of be talking at you like this song actually that Zinnia likes called We Need a Bigger Dumpster. Um, <laughs> so like fun lyrics, but like barely a melody. Right. Um, but then it gets to a melody in the chorus, you know, yeah. so it gives you that hook. It's kind of like good rap. Like the uh, reason I love Outkast is because they'd have or even like 80s rap. There'd be like a rap verse, but then like some real singer would come in in the chorus or would have a cool sample or whatever. Like I need that melody. So I understand that feeling. Yes. Yeah. Were you into any hip hop in the eighties? Like when when it started coming up, like Run DMC or Beastie Boys or anything? Oh, uh, I, I definitely did like the Beastie Boys for a hot second, and um, you know I would listen to it kind of casually. Uh, my husband definitely likes some good rap, and both my kids, uh, both my kids do. Uh, my my son Zach is a huge fan of Swedish rap right now. Not. Swedish. Rap. <laughs> not, not sure what that's all about. Hurdy 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 hurdy. Anyway, uh, most people would assume that uh, someone in their 50s would hate rap, but I don't think... Again, kids don't realize, like... (sighs) Kids, I mean, when you're in high school, you're not interested in, like, what led up to what you're listening to. Right. You know? Like, if you're into... I don't know who the fuck's hot in rap right now. Well, let's say you're like, you know, pop stars. You're, let's say you're into The Weeknd. Let's say you're into Beyonce. Let's say you're into, uh, you know, Post Malone or some bullshit like that. Like, at least Post Malone, like, the only thing I'll give to him is that, like, he put out a bunch of, like, Nirvana covers. So, like, he's representing some stuff from the 90s. But most kids don't look backwards uh, unless you hear someone cover something, like me hearing Nirvana cover Lead Belly mm-hmm. or the Meat Puppets on Unplugged in New York. No, so like, but kids normally don't look backwards and they'd be like, all grown ups hate rap and be like, uh, rap was invented when you were of the age to get into music. Right. You know, late 70s, early 80s, you're going into college when rap was like really getting good. You know, Grandmaster Flash and Curtis Blow is, is kind of cheesy, but still, respect. Yeah. He made it into a They Might Be Giants song, so. <laughs> I know. Break it up, break it up, break it up, break down. I think on that episode, I'm pretty sure I did play a clip of uh, the breaks, and I think I did basketball, too, because basketball is just like rap, it's just like party music. It's like <laughs> basketball, basketball. It's like uh, Blizzard Man and then yes. like Andy Samberg or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm old enough to remember Rapper's Delight coming out, so that's where I am. Yeah, see, that's amazing, right? <laughs> it's funny, like, because I'll, like, impress, impress. It depends how old they are. If, if the kids are fifth grade or sixth grade, uh, my students would be impressed by me being able to rap, like, the first three minutes of Rapper's Delight. Like, not just the beginning, but, like, the first, I mean, the fuck, it's, like, eight minutes long. Right. I mean, it depends on the version you're listening to, but... I could rap more than just like the part you hear in movies. And they'd be like, whoa, Mr. Simpson can rap. I'm like, this is old rap. Yeah. The rhythms are easy. But uh, if it's like seventh or eighth graders, they're like rolling their eyes. I mean, that is so cringe, Mr. Simpson. <laughs> I'm like, come on. I'm the CAS and the OVA and the rest is FLY. Like, God, Mr. Simpson, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm six foot one and I'm tons of fun. Uh, anywho, um, Run DMC. I mean, they they made rap awesome and and brought it to the masses. Yes. Uh, that mashup with 
with uh, Aerosmith was a smart move. That was very like, smart. As far as like legit rappers were probably like, oh my god, you fucking sellouts. But like as far as like getting white people into rap, that's what did I it. I think that did it. Yep. MTV <laughs> and that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, were you seeing They Might Be Giants? Were you an MTV watcher? Were you seeing them doing like 120 minutes and stuff? Um, I didn't have, my parents didn't have cable. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so. Thanks, mom and dad. Hi. <laughs> So, I had to go to watch Beavis and Butthead at my friend's house. I did. I would go to my friend's house and, you know, my best friend had MTV. So I would occasionally yep. get some glimpses of it, um, but really didn't actually have it on my own TV until I was like an adult, yeah. graduated from college. And that, but that's a good sure. segue because that's where I saw the Don't Let's Start video. And I was mesmerized. And I went and bought, um, I was still buying cassettes because, well, my last year in college when I was doing the radio show, they were switching from vinyl to these things called CDs. And I didn't like them. I said, these are not going to (laughs) last because, uh, well, they're so expensive when you put the vinyl on, it's, it was kind of fun to find the song because you kind of go backwards and forwards and, back, and then you find yeah. the song. And with the CD, you just punched a number. And I thought, this is taking all the fun out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like radio stations never really used cassettes. That was always considered like a more like portable, kind yeah. of lesser medium. That's why I don't get that like bands these days are putting stuff out on cassette. I mean, even they might be giants are. I get the novelty of it. But to me, the cassette might as well be the eight track. Like yeah. I have a dual deck cassette, cassette player. I have a boombox. I have several ways to listen to a cassette, but I think it's dumb because my bands put out cassettes because that's all you had in the CD printers were fucking like an external thing that you had to buy for several hundred dollars. Yeah. And CD players were like $800 and the CDs were like $18 to $20 in the long box and so you wouldn't steal them because they're like... Well, yeah, and there was no way... Nowadays, if you stole CDs from a store, they'd be like, nah, who cares? Yeah, I was not going (laughs) to... I couldn't... I didn't have a CD player, so I bought, um, you know, the first They Might Be Giants on cassette. I wore it out. I bet your car only had a uh, AM, FM radio and a cassette deck in your car. (laughs) Probably, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, Yeah. And then, of course, when Lincoln came out, um, that one I just played even more. And then I, all I wanted to listen to was the was They Might Be Giants. And then in 1990, the world was in love again. <laughs> we were marching hand in hand. The ocean levels rose up and Flood came out. And uh, I was just at that point, there's no turning back. I that's nice. kind of just listened to those three albums even though they were on cassette i just call them albums because that's what i'm used to calling them yeah just over yeah. you wouldn't over. call it an lp anymore maybe but you'd call it an yeah album. sure um and then in 1991 i got married because the world wasn't just in love again so was i <laughs> and my husband Adorable. absolutely just loved they might be giants um and it's a independent of you good, before you met no, or no. Um, okay. It was definitely, you got him he had them? never even heard of them, but he's, he's still to this day. Like I said, they're our family band and um, he looks at them in his like, you know, top five of best bands of all time. Um, and, but yeah. And then once we had kids, uh, our kids are 20 and 26. Uh, the oldest mm-hmm. is Reed uh, and the youngest is Zach. And so they just kind of by default listen to They Might Be Giants all the time, too. (laughs) And it's funny because when they started doing the kids' music, we got no 
and we got Here Come the ABCs, and they mm-hmm. liked it, especially the younger one. By the time those came out, the older yeah. one, I think, wasn't really that into the kids' stuff. But they both really just kind of gravitated to just the regular, uh, you know, they're, they're, I guess you call them their adult albums. And then, uh, you know, like I said, my youngest, Zach, started around eight, was really getting into art. And you're not here yet, but you might encounter a series of books <laughs> called warriors cats and War- oh yeah. no I, I saw a student reading those i was like what is that cover i'm like what is yes that? They, yeah. They, yeah so he was animating like these warriors cats to the to join us and which is yeah. kind of funny because it has nothing to do with warriors cats but he made it work and was really just getting into animating and um doing art and listening to the music and then um, in, I guess it was in 2007, I think it might have been, I'm not sure which tour that was, but they mm-hmm. came to a venue here. And Well, 2007, I mean, the Else came out. I think out. it might have been I the mean, Else, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because I saw them on that tour. I remember being mad that they didn't play Contra Coup, which is definitely not the hit, but I loved it. Yeah, <laughs> I um, remember I think seeing, we're going to talk about this album eventually. It was an old, <laughs> well, the, the venue was, um, I won't even say the name of the venue, but because they Why were, well, they were touting it as an all ages show. And I remember uh-huh. I was learning at the time that they like the Johns don't like to mix their kids shows with their regular shows. But yeah. my oldest at the time was just really loved. They might be giants. I was like, Oh my gosh, if this really is an all ages show, I really want to bring him. But it yeah. wasn't being called a kid's show. So I even called the venue and I was like, is this really all ages? And they said, yes. I said, so does that mean that I can bring a 10-year-old to this show? And they were like, yeah. And we showed up and there were other kids there too. And I was like, okay, great. Well, turns out it was not a kid's show. What? And the, the band was not. So the venue said, yeah, but they might be giants. Yeah. We're like, oh, no, we weren't. Yeah, they. <sighs> I think the venue got kind of confused. I don't know. But so the band... After the open, so they've had shows that are like sixteen plus. They'll do that sometimes, which is yeah. Weird. But no, there or were like kids. Plus. My kid was ten and, and even younger there. So what they did, I guess the band was not happy about that. I don't blame them. Uh, they took everyone who has kids and said, "Go up to the balcony." Yeah, and so we all went up to the balcony. It was a great view, okay, like fantastic wow. view. And they, what's the venue? Come on, is obviously wasn't there. Yeah, of course not. Um, and they. Uh, but they didn't play to the balcony, if you know what I mean. Like, they yeah. focused all their energy on their intended audience. Sure. Um, They're like, when we swear, we'll pretend you're not up there. Because they swear in their banter all the time. Were they swearing a lot in front of your kids? Do you remember being like, earmuffs? No. And they, you know what? <laughs> they didn't swear as much as they swore in Richmond just this past tour, which was, that was actually, that's I'm jumping 20 years ahead, but that was one of the best shows I have seen <laughs> in such a long time. But so we brought our oldest to that show. And then um, we also, in 2017, I think it was, they played a free show in Central Park. And we were able to bring both, the whole family went to that one, which was really cool. And that one, ironically, Uh was being more touted as a kid's show. But I knew Uh you didn't have to have young kids because there was a beer tent. So, you know. Oh, were you at Toad's Place? Was it Toad's Place? It was uh, uh, Central Park on the summer stage. Oh, Central Park. Yes. Gotcha. Um, I don't know. I was looking at Virginia. And, uh, you know, I've been just... 
again, we listen to them together as a family all the time. I've yeah. even used their lyrics to dispense parental advice to my kids, you know. Yeah, like what? Like well, what? You know, it will just, you know, it'll just take an ocean of whiskey and time. <laughs> <laughs> or what? Yeah. What about don't cross in the middle? In exactly. The middle, in the middle. Exactly. I, I know that's, and, um, that's a cover, but still. So. Uh, and we, the sun is actually a miasma of incandescent. I know I was okay. disappointed that I was like all wrong about the sun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I trusted you, John and John led um, me astray. And even to the point that when I was ready to get like my first and only tattoo, my son, Zach actually designed, uh, a bluebird what? nightlight tattoo um can we get a picture of this uh, that i can post on social media yeah well yeah i'll have to send it to you because i yeah yeah. send it to me um and it's not a canary because i here was my thing about the whole canary i didn't want it to look like a twitter bird Uh you know what i mean so my son has a very specific art style so it's kind of more of like an homage to the song plus his art so it's not but but I love it. Yeah, yes, you gotta send me a picture. Oh, I days. will, I will, because I, I really love it. Um and again it's just and my other son, uh, Reed, has the they skull nice. on his arm. That's a good yeah, that's a good thing to get tattooed. We did a Patreon episode on uh wait, you're a patron. Not right? yet, but I I think oh, I, okay. I will be after this though. Oh, you don't you don't feel obliged. But we we did a uh, they might be tattooed episode with. We should do another one. People that have had tattoos, you could be on it and tell the tell a more full story of that. But we yeah, it's um, it was just a fun thing, you know, get together little groups of people that that share a common thing, right. like loving they might be nice enough to get tattooed by them. I've never had a tattoo. I think if I got a tattoo, it would either be something like related to like you know, my daughters or they might be giants or like skateboarding or something, you know, it'd be one of those three things. My youngest has considered maybe getting like, it's a a little, the little logo. It might be from the else of like, not the snowman with the money burning, but it was like, a that's pretty common one. Yeah. A little face, but you know, the cover to the else used to actually scare my youngest. It is spooky, yeah. and uh, we're going to talk about a band called Spooky Girls, who I am just now getting to know in real life. I'll save that for later. But yeah, the cover of the else is um, one of their one of their creepier covers, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, yeah, and um, so the back—I mean, the back cover is even worse. Yeah. <laughs> and so if uh, if there are any more tattoos in this family, it'll probably be. My younger son getting something they might be giants related, and my husband awesome. is a diehard. I will never get a tattoo. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm too much of a wimp to get one, but I'm sure I could take it. I don't know, <laughs> but I've just never been. You know, I always I never did piercings. All I did was the craziest, ridiculous looking hairdos you'd ever. Oh, seen. I did that too. Like. If you go looking through my Facebook photos, like there's an album I call Naked Baby Photos, which is a reference to a Ben Folds 5 album. They're B-sides and live albums um, of embarrassing photos is the idea, I guess. But uh, stuff from me, like my senior photo and band holding my trombone, like yeah. looking all looking all punk like with uh, blonde sides and like my pink mohawk was down the aisle, my my big mohawks and stuff like that. And, and, and pictures of me with the mullet with skateboard are in that photo album uh so people that are friends with me should go look at those if they haven't already obviously i'm not so embarrassed about them that i didn't put them in an yeah. album on facebook 
but anyway, um, yeah, I think I think your whole family should get a themed They Might Be Giants tattoo. Like, how about this? Here's an idea just popped into my head. Okay. The early aughts art style with the chopping block, you could each get a president's head tattooed on you somewhere. Usually they would do, like, Teddy Roosevelt, like... Who would get Nixon? You'd have to know, like, oh, <laughs> well, it's, they might be giants. They love Badmouth and Nixon. So, like, Teddy Roosevelt, Nixon, uh, FDR, and who's the other one they usually have? Yeah, because they have Teddy Roosevelt and Franklin Delano Roosevelt, Lincoln and Nixon. Okay. I think those are the ones, right? Yeah. I mean, Lincoln, of and course. So, yeah, we have the shirt that has the four presidents. Yeah. yeah. You each could get one of those tattooed on you, and then, like... Yeah, you you each put it on like the top of your your hand, and then you all like, put your hands together like oh Captain God. Planet, and have all the the presidents there. You, that would you're be taking amazing. the nerdiest family on earth, and then upping the ante a little there. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> it, it it would be like the They Might Be Giants shirts, like that one you're wearing that don't even say the band name on it, like. They are the kind of band where they're like, we don't need new fans. We love having new fans, but they're like a word of mouth band, and I think they know it. Mm-hmm. A word of mouth band or like a YouTube algorithm band where someone's listening to Weird Al or Bare Naked Ladies or Sparks, and then they might be giants to pop up. Right. They don't need you walking around with a billboard of the band. Plus, mm-hmm. their band name is too long for like a lot of things. So, uh, you know, like I have the accordion shirt where it just says they down the side of the accordion. Right, you know? right. And you're wearing a shirt that doesn't have their name on it at all. I have that old Dr. Worm Venn diagram shirt. It doesn't say they might be giants on yeah, it at all. Know, it just says, own. like, a doctor, a real worm, right? So you'd <laughs> yeah. all get tattoos that don't say they might be giants. They don't say anything about it. It's just that style of the president's head. And whoever has Nixon, you're like, why do you have Richard Nixon tattooed on you? Yeah, that, like, would, that would definitely oh, it's take a reference to a band. <laughs> Yeah, it's a reference to a band. It's an it's an ironic tattoo. Yes. They'd be like, you're way too old for that. <laughs> Even for your kids, they'd be like, you're way too old to have an ironic tattoo. What's wrong with you? I love the, um, the Venn Diagram t-shirt I got my oldest for Christmas. Actually, my kids know mm-hmm. that every Christmas they're getting some sort of They Might Be Giants, something or another. Yeah. It's just so, it just Because it's fun for you to know, shop for it. He's a PhD candidate at the University of Pittsburgh wow. right now. So that fact that it has oh, a doctor and then not a real doctor. I just thought it was kind of funny. Uh, as, as a My short... mom and dad went to Pitt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's at Pitt right now uh, working on his dissertation. Yeah, he could he could tell you whether or not listening today might be giants through his entire childhood <laughs> shaped or scarred anything, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. Climbing the walls yes. off of the else. Now, this gets the prime spot. Fourth track, I mean, God, the else, it's probably my fourth favorite They Might Be Giants album, right? I'd probably go, I was talking about this with Alejo in the last episode, but for for you, you probably heard me talk about Apollo is my favorite. It would be Apollo, Lincoln, Mint Car, the else, and then maybe Flood, but probably Nanobots above Flood. I mean, Flood, respect and all that, but I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm sick of it, but like I went to the Flood show and loved it, but I want them to do like a join us in full. You know, oh, yeah. or even I like fun in full or the or book I in love full. Book. They're, they're only playing five songs off of it. Like play. It did not get its due because it came out at such a weird time mm-hmm. in world history. Right. You know, November of 2021. I would love like in November if they did like a 
you know, just a tour of like, hell, I drive to Chicago to see a full book uh, show. Yeah. That'd be amazing. And they could project like the photos and the tech stuff from the book, all that cool stuff up on the screen behind them. Come on, guys, yeah. do a do a second anniversary, a third or next year, a third anniversary of of book in the fall of 2024. I think that's Come a great on. idea. And speaking of, book, yeah, I'm a smart guy. Episodes <laughs> of your podcast was the if day episode, because before I was oh, I was man. actually driving to Pittsburgh by myself. And so I had the podcast on just kind of, I just kind of let it roll and you, you, take, yeah. you take me to Pittsburgh. So I appreciate that. Oh, um, and the if day episode, it's funny. To, it's funny for me to think about people like walking their dog with me talking. Yeah, in their ears. Exactly. I'm like, Why would you want to listen to this? But obviously people are, <laughs> but I, it, I had that song relegated as I'm skipping over it because it doesn't make any sense. And when I heard the episode, I was like, Oh my God, that was like an yeah. actual thing. And when I got to Pittsburgh, Right after I said hello to my son, who I hadn't seen in months, I was like, so let's talk about If Day. <laughs> <laughs> Do your sons listen to the podcast by chance? Um, you know what? They uh, they have not yet, no. Um, but they should. If I were doing I mean, my job as a parent, they would be. <laughs> you know, and I've mentioned this before because jo- Jonathan Leonard, a, a member of the Five Timers Guest Club, he um, – He'll often like look up stuff for me, uh, or like I'll I'll kind of hire him to like do a little data stuff for me to figure out. Um, you know, the podcast is going long enough, and this is going to be something in the two forties yeah. uh, episode numbers. Uh, like he, uh, well, actually, Sean Patrick Cook uh, started up the TMBW page for the podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, because this this might be a podcast has a page on the wiki. Um, if you search, this might be a podcast in there or Google TMBW, this might be a podcast. And, um, Sean Patrick Cook put in the information, like created a page and made the table, um, with, it even has my scores in it. Um, and you know, the dates and times yeah. and the guests. And then, uh, Jonathan picked it up a little bit. There've been like maybe three people that have edited. I, I, I haven't edited yeah. at all. People are doing it for me, which is cool. Yeah. Um, and he created a section called the perfect 10 and it made me realize that I, <laughs> I'm very sparing with my tens. I've only given seven tens and they're all Linnell songs. Yeah. And when I did If Day, I'm like, it was a song where I was like, ah, this song's kind of weird or whatever, you know, like it's weird, which I love weird, but you know, it's not my favorite track. And then as I researched it and not just the topic that it's on, but like the way they made the sounds, just the whole creation of that song was super interesting. And I'm like, God damn, I'm like, this isn't a 10, but like, it's such a good song. What did I end up giving it? Uh, I gave it a nine. Yeah, I was going to say, I right? thought I remembered you giving it something pretty high. Yeah, which, like, if, like, let's say, like, the first five listens through book, I would have been like, ah, oh, it's like a six. Yeah. But then when I started, like, looking into it and I heard, like, I think I played some clips from, from their press junkets yes. doing podcasts and stuff, the guys saying how they sent tracks to each other and the ring modulator plug in and blah, blah, blah. I was like, this song fucking rules. And now it's like my favorite Flame song on the album. Yeah, like Moonbeam Rays is a cool power pop song, but If Day is, that's the, that's the fucking, that's the banger. Yes, it is. Yeah. So Climbing the Walls is, for me, one of the big bangers on the else. Because, like, it's a stacked album. Like, I mean, 
like, I don't know, I can't think of a weak track on the album, honestly. Like, maybe, I mean, With the Dark has, you know, is is 170, uh, ranked 170 on, on the wiki, so obviously people like it. Um, it's not my favorite, but, like, it's not a bad song. Mm-hmm. And and so, like, if, if the worst song on the album is, like, oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> that, yeah, that makes it, it. It's probably my favorite on the album. Although I really love "Be the Bird of the Moth" as well. Oh, I'm editing part two of that right now. I Have know. You to part I, one I, start, I started yeah. part one. I didn't make it all the way through because uh, I was, did it on a walk that was only about a thirty minute yeah. walk. So you mostly just heard the Weird Al content. Yes, yes. <laughs> Who we saw, we saw Weird Al in concert here a few years ago. He's really good live. Oh, uh, yeah, he is amazing. I saw him on the Mandatory Fun Tour, and it was fucking incredible. I reviewed that album for Punk News. I remember talking to my editors. I'm like, and I was even to the point where like I was doing way more podcasting for their network, podca- the Punk News Podcast Network. This is still technically on the Punk News Podcast Network, though they don't really do anything for me anymore. I still, you know, mad respect for the site, and I've been working for them since 2002, yeah. um, which is fucking nuts. But um I was like, people would like a Weird Al review on Punk News, right? I mean, he's not punk, but like, he's the kind of guy that like came up DIY in the 80s, like, just like came from the outsider perspective, like the weirdo Mm -hmm. outcast guy. Like, he's punk adjacent. Absolutely. And I think a lot of They Might Be Giants fans went through a punk phase. I do think there's a punk to They Might Be Giants pipeline. I I truly believe that. Yeah, I mean, you, like I always point out that footage that uh, Daryl Till uploaded on his Astral B YouTube, uh, the full concert of them, 1990 in London as a duo. Flans is wearing the Ramones shirt, the classic black Ramones emblem shirt. Uh, yeah, I mean, they respect punk. I mean, they're both record diggers, you know, record crate diggers, especially Flans uh, from from the gist of it. You know, seeing yeah. them do like Amoeba records, you know, what's in my bag. <laughs> He's the kind of guy that's like, he, you know, he gets down with some punk and post-punk. Oh, and sure. Proto-punk and all that, you know. He knows his music history, and as a band who is indie rock, like, you wouldn't have indie rock, you wouldn't have college rock if it wasn't for punk rock. Right. Um, or it wouldn't be the same, you know. Yeah. College rock would just be like Lady Gaga or whatever. You know, I don't know. <laughs> respect to Lady Gaga. We talked yeah. about her in the last episode, too. She can play instruments. Man, respect. Anyway. Uh, yes. Not punk though. So climbing the walls. walls. I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it a punk song, but like it's it's got some oomph. It, you know? it does. Um, and I guess to talk about the music, I like the way it just pops in without an intro. With like he just yeah. Starts. And so I started like thinking: first breath. Are there yeah. other like communists have the music? He just kind of jumps in. Yeah. I got that's a good question i don't know if there's a tag for that on the wiki like yeah. songs that sing right away right. you know but and I in think fact, like, like <laughs> the the beginnings of climbing the walls and communists have the music to me sound almost a little bit similar down the scale yeah. a little bit as opposed to like True. um you know, as opposed to like what's the song where he just starts right and goes up the scale um broke my own rule 
Yeah. Where it goes everything's up, wrecked. Everything yeah. is wrecked. Yeah. When I did that episode, like people, people gave that song grief. People liked it at first, but then they were like, uh, it's too simple. He's just singing a scale. And like he is kind of, but then he'll like flat the fifth or like, I can't remember what he throws a B flat into the, into the C scale. Oh, so he, he flats the uh, seventh. Um, I'm like, Linnell is still fucking with this. Like, yeah, it's in the key of C, but it's not completely in the key of C. It's yeah. not just Well, you know, C. that reminds yeah. me, because I, I did peek on the wiki because I don't, I'm not super well-versed with music theory. I, you know, I studied music, but it was more for fun, and I didn't sure. get too deep. Yeah. The wiki says it's in D minor, but then I looked at another page that called it a, a major key song. What key um, is it in? Okay, so we'll get to. Oh, I think my, I think my Spanish guitar is down tuned, so we're gonna hear it down a half step. Uh, we'll just pretend that this is a D minor, not a D flat minor. Let's see if it even stay in, stayed in tune. It probably fought the tuning. Okay. I can't talk. I gotta go. Don't call me back. Up back. I won't get the door. To focus on the job, cause I got a new job. Climbing the walls. Yeah, so it's got, um, so it is definitely in D minor, okay. but it goes to, it goes to the sixth for the grinding my teeth part. The, the sixth of the scale, so the relative minor, um, is B flat, um, B flat major. So, like, uh, I mean, I guess the simplest way to describe it would be like the key of C, because you said you play piano, the mm -hmm. key of C is only white keys. The key of A minor is only white keys. That means uh, they are, they have the same key signature. Everything's natural. There's no flats, no sharps, uh, but a different tonic, meaning a different so start of the scale, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, you could play C major, all white keys, or you could start on A, and there's a minor scale with the same key signature. Uh, where in this case, uh, D minor and D minor, key of D minor, the, the key, not the chord, the key of D minor and the key of B flat major have the same uh, key signature. So uh, you could say that it changes keys, or you could just say that it stays in D minor and it goes to the sixth, mm -hmm. which is B flat major. So, because D minor, the only uh, black key is the B flat. So it just has one flat. Actually, yeah, but then it kind of goes to F major, which only has a B flat. So really, it kind of dances around in three keys. Yeah, because B flat minor. Yeah, actually it goes to F. It doesn't go to B flat major. It goes to F major, my mistake. It would need an E flat. This one doesn't have any E flats in it, does it? Oh, it does. Please clear out this house. Yeah, see, Linnell is just a genius, but this song... The chord progression is so hard that, like, when we get to the cover section, uh, 
we did Climbing the Walls, Exquisite Dead Guys. Now, the problem was we had a fill-in guitarist named Parker. I'm going to call him out. He drank too much, and uh, he was there for Matt Monta, who now lives in Virginia. Richmond, I think. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he moved because his wife's an academic, too, so he's been following her around, and he's a fellow musician. So we started the Exquisite Dead Guys with Jerome, who I'm going to talk to this afternoon. He was the drummer. Um How's this how, it's coincidentals? Like <laughs> the exquisite dead guys. One guy's in Virginia, and the other guy I'm also talking to today. That was the trio. But Parker was filling in for Matt, um, and we played last because I'm like, okay, it's like open mic style. This was at the Don't Let's Start, the first live episode. I got in way over my head with letting people do covers, and it was like just one after another. People coming up, plugging in a keyboard, a guitar you know whatever else we had some accordion players ukulele players and i'm like okay my band quote unquote the ex- band the exquisite dead guys will play last we'll headline this thing every people will have left whatever you know i don't care let's do our thing last so of course we're playing at like midnight and later than that probably yeah we're it's like 1 a.m and parker's had way too many <laughs> and jerome has to work in like five hours he's like <laughs> he says that i don't think for this song but he's like he's like let's do it i gotta go to work in five hours i'm like are you serious he's like i'm like are you for real i'm for real (laughs) and he just hits the drums really hard (laughs) so parker fucks this all up because he we did like one practice and i'm like dude just look over the chords this is not a good guitarist key matt could play it Mm -hmm. you know like matt and i we did um Climbing the Walls and Mesopotamians and all. I mean, we did a lot of else songs, actually, now that I think about it. Um, hold on. Did we do... No, I'm trying to think if we did a better cover of Climbing the Walls. No, it was just that live one. We played it a bunch live at open mics and stuff like that. I'd lug my synthesizer down there and uh, we'd play it. Uh, anyway, though, I was playing it on that. I was playing on that Juno for this cover that we'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, I thought um, I detected key changes in it, but I wasn't sure if they were actual key changes or if it was just sort of like a little accidental type. Yeah, thing. no, it's uh, it's yeah, it is a key change. It's de- it's deceptive because it goes to well. For example, I was grinding my teeth. That's in the relative minor. B flat minor. But then when it goes to too much junk, it goes to F major. Right. So the song is essentially in three keys, though you could say the grinding my teeth part is still in D minor. He just starts the riff on the B flat on the sixth of the scale. So the song essentially, I can't talk, D minor. I was grinding my teeth, B flat major. Too much junk, F major. Back to, I got tired of pacing the floor, D minor. And then it goes through that. So then right. it goes to B flat major again. Uh, the deep end, the deep end part, I would say is still an F, mm-hmm. even though it starts on C, the deep end, because the word end is on the F and it has the B flat. That's still an F. And it's major? The deep end part is the major, right? The F is right? still the tonic. Yeah, the deep end is, in, is major, you know? And it sounds happy, yeah, right? Yeah, Same with the too much junk, too much junk. Yeah. And that's F major, right? The F major parts sound happy. Uh, 
Now I misunderstood what the wall was just good. And that part sounds major. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has that A major chord, um, which is pretty important. So from the A to the B flat, just up that half step. And then for staring blankly at blankly gets that G minor, which pushes it back into the D minor. This song is fucking awesome. It really is. <laughs> it's It's... I was shocked that it was not taken on your spreadsheet when you first sent me the spreadsheet. I yeah. was on, how long ago was that though? Oh gosh, I'm, two years. I'm not sure. I just remember I was stuck between um, climbing the walls and uh, oh gosh, one of their kind of short. I can't remember which one it was. And I texted my son, and he was like, "You have got to do climbing the walls. Are you kidding me?" Nice. He talked you out of the other one. Yes, yes. Well, that, I think you all, I think the whole family should be on the next episode, and you can decide together. Or you could have your you know, your son pick the song, or someone else pick the song, or your husband pick the song, and then you could all be on it. Oh, it was Stuff His Way. That's the one I was stuck between. That's, that's, a, good, right. that's a good I really one like that about. one, but um, Climbing the Walls actually has it, – it, it means something to me because when it came yeah. out – I was actually getting bored at my job. (laughs) (laughs) Teaching? I I had been teaching the same thing for probably about 15 years. Yeah, what do you teach? Um, Right now, I teach a class called Research and Writing to 12th graders. Uh And uh, it is absolutely the most amazing class. And I love it so much. But for like the first 12-ish, maybe 14-ish years, I was teaching sixth grade English. And I was just getting mm-hmm. tired of it. The kids were great. The literature was great. I love grammar, but I was just getting bored. And I literally, yeah. when this song yeah. came out, I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I really am getting tired. I love education. I want to stay in it. And then, ironically, I went to the dentist, and she told me I was grinding my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, and I'm wasting my youth. Um Oh my God! And we so should do, I you know, switch oh teaching God, positions, and you know, had to get a little bit used to the new thing I did, which was like uh, something called gifted resource. I don't know if they have it everywhere, but gifted resource. Yeah, I mean the gifted program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, different names. And then, you know, I started getting bored with that, and I was like, so I got bored of my job, and so I got a new job, and then I got bored again. Uh, so that's kind of I took that's sort of great. a literal meaning to the song when it came out. Although I know there are probably a lot more interesting interpretations than that, but because it came out right around the time that I was making a career shift, uh, it yeah. just kind of it resonated with me a lot. And it was just a shift to teaching different. Thing. It yeah. wasn't getting out of teaching. Yeah, it wasn't getting yeah. out of teaching. No, I've been yeah. uh, like I said, I'm in year 32 with teaching, and <laughs> I still love it. But I think the trick is to like. Do different things within education if you want to right. stay in it and kind of keep it fresh. The lyrics. What are your favorite lyrics of this song? Okay, I my favorite lyrics are uh, where. Let's see. Hang on. Let me let me find. Ah, uh, here it is. Where it says, "Chewing my nails, hanging my head, chasing my tail," because I feel like that's representing three. Uh, you know, chewing my nails. I think anxiety. Hanging yeah. my head, I think despair, and chasing uh-huh. my tail, it's pointlessness. So we've got anxiety, despair, and pointlessness 
all wrapped up into one. <laughs> all of Linnell's wheelhouse. <laughs> it really is. This is like a, a definite. Um, so it just feels like, even though for my personal story, it resonated with me because of, you know, a career. I, I feel like there's a lot more to it. Um, yeah. I even thought, like, would it be possible if the because he's talking about a job and then he quits his job and then gets a new job. Could the mm-hmm. job even be a metaphor for just a day? Like I have mm. this crappy day. So mm-hmm. I just go to bed, quit that day, get up and it's the next day <laughs> and everything's huh. still awful. And yeah. this whole, it just feels like it's this song of complete despair. Um, but my son, yeah. oddly enough, Hopeless we were talking despair. about it last night and mm-hmm. he saw it as a song of optimism because of the guitar. Okay. And he's like, mom, oh. if you, if all you look at is the lyrics, of course you're going to think that, but listen to the guitar. That guitar is, is this is some optimistic guitar playing. And so he kind of more thinks it's oh. somebody that is trying to get out of their despair by climbing up uh, to reach some sort of a goal. Interesting. Okay. Positive guitar. I'll tell you, when we listen to that cover where Parker fucks it all up, that's not optimistic guitar. That's fucking <laughs> like, that's some despair right there. He just, he gives up for part of it. No, but he's more of a blues noodler and stuff like that. And this is not a bluesy song. It's, they don't write bluesy songs. Well, they have a couple. They got some swing songs, some blues riffs, but it's rare. It's rare. Um, they have creative key signatures, but they're, they're not just doing like a 12 bar blues, you know, yeah. rarely. Um, but yeah, the music is great. The guitar in the, yeah, on their version, of course, uh, you know, Flans and Miller kicking ass and Weinkoff's bass parts in this song are incredible. His bass tone, like it's got this grit, this fuzz to it. it sounds so awesome. And then the bass and Barry saxophone that Linnell plays. I mean, on the wiki, it just says saxophone, but it's the low shit, you know, it's Barry and possibly bass like he used to play all the time on Apollo era that uh, just outlining the chords, kind of like following along with Danny's bass a little bit. It's just so, so good. Uh, what did, was he, did your son get more specific about why, what, what does he mean that the guitar part is optimistic? You know, that is a good question because he just was just kind of like, you know, listen to it, mom. It just, it's, it's just like, it's, it's grinding. It sounds like he's moving up and like, okay. And does he play guitar? No, no, he played the cello. (laughs) Oh, love that. Love that. We should get him on to talk about a song that Garo Yellen is on Uh, (laughs) pair who has done pair Ubu and, uh, they might be giants cello work. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they I'm pretty sure they know him through Tony Mamone. Actually, I think they worked I think I figured out they worked with Gary Yellen before they worked with Tony Mamone. Right. Anyway, um, But he was yeah. the, the music for him took it yeah. from being this total downer to a song that had a more uplifting message or tone. You know, you could, I could I could see the way that it changes keys, mm-hmm. uh, showing like glimmers of hope where it's like, I can't talk. I got to go. Don't call me back. It's like, I won't get the door. I'm being a hermit. I'm, I'm sequestering myself in here. I got a new job climbing the walls. Like I'm going insane. He's locked himself in his house. It's in D minor. And B flat gets that major feel. I was grinding my teeth, wasting my use and using up my teeth. Uh, but he says, I'm done chewing my nails. Right. Like, I'm done chewing my nails. I'm done hanging my head and chasing my tail. I I quit my job, but the new job is climbing the wall. So that's, like, <laughs> kind of optimistic. But he's looking forward to his new gig of uh, 
climbing the walls. And with They Might Be Giants, you could be like, well, he's literally climbing the walls. Like, maybe we're not talking about a metaphor. Maybe right. he's literally climbing the wall. You know, it could be like, he's literally a worm who's not a doctor but plays the drums. Uh, <laughs> too much junk. Can we please clear out this house? In the trunk, we'll take it all to the dump. I mean, that sounds so positive. Like, like, okay, he's doing some house cleaning. Right. Is he literally like, doing some house some cleaning? Some sort of a fresh start. Yeah, fresh start. But then also, this just came to my mind here. This would be the darkest way to look at it. Lots of times, if someone is uh, contemplating taking their own life, or you're you're worried about them, like if someone starts giving away all of their possessions, that can be a sign that they're like. Um, they are not acting like they want to be around anymore. They're giving away all their stuff. But I think the way that it sounds with the ma- the F major key mm-hmm. modulating to F major, it does sound more like a kind of like fresh start kind of thing. Right. I'm quitting my job. I got to move. I'm getting rid of this junk because we're going to, I'm going to move to a new town and start my new job. Right. Climbing the walls. <laughs> but, yeah. He's going to be a rock. He's going to be a rock climbing instructor. <laughs> <laughs> I saw kind of a similar interpretation to the deep end part that maybe Uh it was about uh, maybe somebody saying like, you you don't really know how deep it goes because his despair went so deep that it kind of like went there. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if you're someone who's uh, suffered from clinical depression. I am. And I, 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 you, you don't need to go into that. But as someone who has like a uh, depression that is uh, biological, like brain chemistry, I am constantly annoyed by, especially like TV shows, but also people in real life who, you know, that the old thing would be like, well, just put on a happy face. Well, just do something and get yourself out of that bad mood. It's like, I don't think you understand. This is different than that. I'm not. People say they're depressed when they're actually just sad, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of a synonym. But if you're talking like medically, depression is not just being sad. Right. Depression is being sad or actually for me, depression is not feeling anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not about being sad. I'm not really sad. Like I, I physically can't be sad. I can't be happy. I just don't have feeling. The deep end, yeah, they don't really know how deep it goes. Like, people who are just, like, they're sad, they have a bad day. Or, like, you know, people who, like, someone close to them passes away. Like, you're going to be really sad. That's episodic sadness. Yeah. And, like, you could could fall into depression, a uh, traumatic-induced depression, and something you might take medication for, a legitimate, actual depression. But I'm not depressed because of traumatic events or a bad life. I am uh, depressed because my brain chemistry changed in my late 20s and uh, uh, and people just don't understand what real like clinical depression is. Right. And they're like, well, I've been sad. It's like, no. But they don't you, know how deep it goes, hence the lyric. They don't know how deep it goes. And now, I misunderstood, thought the wall was just good for staring blankly at. Now, staring blankly at a wall, like when you're depressed and you're not feeling anything, you just want to watch TV or you just want to lay in bed, like you literally want to do nothing. So the thought the wall was just good for staring blankly at, like that is like this really, this part right here, the deep end, staring at a wall, uh, you don't know how deep it goes. That part really is like Linnell just like, fucking knocking it out of the park with like this is what depression is yep 
Um, that's what this is what clinical depression is. You're not sad. You're just down deep and you can't get out. Right. But then it picks up. Right. I got tired of pacing the floor. I'm sick of it all. I'm done with the floor. I walked away from this depression or, you know, I got help. I got mental help. I had therapy. I got medication, whatever. I got a new job climbing the walls. I really want to say now that the climbing the walls is literally climbing walls. (laughs) (laughs) Or climbing out of something. Climbing out of a bad place. I'm yeah, climbing out of a bad place. Because uh, that climbing the wall is like a really you know, you're like in a padded cell is what you're thinking. But right. maybe I he's using it as a metaphor for something else. Bored. When I think climbing the walls, I think I'm so bored. I'm just climbing the walls. Okay. But it really could be climbing out of uh, a yeah. really deep dark place and mm-hmm. you know trying to, to like that. get out of it. And and I think that's where maybe the optimism could come in. This is like some Inception level shit from Linnell, where it's like, okay, I'm using this metaphor for climbing the walls. Like you're 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 jumpy, or you're like it could be like an ADHD kind of thing, right. where it's like ah, I'm just like I gotta do. Um, but Linnell's like, hey, I'm gonna go a step further. I'm not using it as the usual metaphor. This person's not going crazy. They're not climbing the walls because they're just blah. Right. Uh, he's climbing out of the depression, or uh, uh, he's become a roofer. You know, he's he's settled into his job. It's like you know, he installs siding. He's climbing the walls. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's probably more like yeah, like like how many levels of metaphor can we go to here? Right. The levels, Jerry. Right. I just, I just think that's part of what makes this such a great song because you can think of it. So many different ways, plus the music is incredible on it. It's so great. Um, My favorite thing about this song is playing and singing it. Because even even putting it... Like, I think if I thought too much about how this song really hones in on, like, depression and, like, the kind of depression that I have, it is just fun to sing. Mm -hmm. Like, the the best part and the hardest part to sing that shows Linnell's vocal prowess is uh, when it gets to the uh, grinding my teeth part, let's see, the using up my teeth, not the first time, but the second time. Uh, let me let me get the right pitch here. Okay. I'm going to attempt to sing this correctly. Okay. Okay. I was grinding my teeth, I was wasting my youth, I gotta figure out what they did. That's we're talking about ninths, I think. We're going past the octave. Let's uh I'm gonna figure this out. Grind grinding my quite to an octave but it goes you, you see, like it keeps expanding that interval it's got a high f b flat to f a to f g to f that's a seventh that's a major seventh that's hard to sing settling on a G, which the song is never in G. That's not one of the tonics at all. G, G minor. This song is the best. (laughs) (laughs) 
like I even got to the point where I could play like you hear the synthesizer doing it traces the melody like it goes along it doubles the melody like he's like this melody as a man who writes fucking incredible melodies he's like this melody is so good I'm gonna play it on the keyboard while I'm singing it yeah like it's gonna double up here so like I got to the point where I could play the bass because we didn't have a bassist in the exquisite dead guys I'd play the low stuff on the keyboard but I could play the low like while singing like piano is an instrument for me I really have to sit down and practice it. right um, it doesn't just come to me, but um, I got to the point I practiced it so much that I could do the bass line or a simple bass line with my left hand and sing the melody while playing the melody. Hell, I mean, maybe Dr. Worm is, I think, Linnell's greatest achievement in melody or birdhouse. But this one, I mean, might be a personal favorite. Yeah, it, it really is. And and I we didn't even I didn't even remember the keyboard, but there's some great keyboard work in this song as well. Yeah, I mean, we'll hear, uh, and we should, we'll get to the live versions, but I keep bringing up the cover, which we fucked it all kinds of fucked up. Um, and you can hear my keyboard level goes up and down because the Juno is not touch sensitive. Like, you can't just play it harder to get louder. It's just that, whatever the volume's at. So I'm like turning up the volume, or me, the sound guy was turning up the volume. But when it gets to the deep end, the deep end, that's the most fun, uh, silly, that's the silly keyboard part. Right. The deep end, bleep, 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 bleep. And I think I used my Juno and like did some filters and envelopes and it starts going crazy. Uh, I used it as a chance to like be a synth geek about it. Uh, and then you got to go back to the original tone to get, I got time. And I also think it's a super melodic achievement in that, well, Birdhouse changes keys like mm-hmm. back and forth like 19 times or whatever. <laughs> Dr. Worm never changes keys, but it's in F sharp major, a weird key for anyone, even a keyboardist, like nearly all black keys. But this song being in D minor and uh, B flat major, which are related, so the melody wouldn't have to change, but then it goes to a key change, goes to F major. Um, it is, yeah, or yeah, B-flat major, B-flat major, F major. Yeah, okay. So anyway, what I'm saying is that he's writing a kick-ass melody over these key changes, and it's a minor key. Like, it's not rare for them to write in a minor key, but like any rock band, more songs are going to be in a major right. key than a minor key. D minor is not a guitarist's favorite key, because D minor is a weird chord to play. Mm-hmm. Just really a bar chord of it would be way up on the neck or uh, just weird. It's just weird placement no matter how you play it. Like he probably wrote this song in Flansburg is like, damn it, dude, come on. (laughs) (laughs) Miller's like, I'm good. And Flansburg is probably like, I got to be the rhythm guitarist on this. Look at all these chords. Look at all the chords. (laughs) Jesus. It's I mean, a keyboard wrote a keyboardist wrote it. D minors, all white keys. But on a guitar, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) God, it's such a good song. Should we get to the live version? I'd love to hear the live version. Okay, so the the wiki has in the chronology, like they did an officially released live version, which was at the XM Studio. I can't talk. I gotta go.
So that's a 2007 version. Now I wanted to jump ahead a little bit because they haven't played it. Um, they haven't played it live since I'm looking. They've only played it 22 times, which is sad. So they played it a ton in 2007, a little bit in 2008, shelved it till 2015, and they have not played it since 2015. Yarg. <laughs> um, I sent you the version that was from May 31st, 2015, which is the last time they've played it. Okay. The last time they played it. They haven't played it since. Okay. So they're coming out on stage. There's all these lights panning across. Yeah. It looks really fucking cool. It does. So then Flans, Flans does this little intro. And you mentioned before how the vocals started, I can't talk. So, like, does Linnell even play himself a D? Say that again? I'm wondering if Linnell even gives himself a starting pitch or he just pulls it out of the air. That's that's what I... Does he touch the keyboard? I'm rewinding it here. 
He doesn't. He doesn't even touch the keyboard. Wow. He just pulled. I don't know if Linnell has perfect pitch, but he just pulled that out. Didn't he? Ju- didn't he do that also when they just played Brontosaurus live? Didn't Probably. he just like come in on the note? He might not have perfect pitch, but it might be to the point where like it's his song. Right. He wrote it. He's played it enough where he just knows where the note is. I can't talk. Like he yeah. just jumps out at it. Now, I wish this had sax on it. Like, I wish they had Stan Harrison honking some tenor or Barry sax. But it sounds great. Because this person filmed it from the balcony. Thank God. They always <laughs> sound better from the balcony. So here's the artist in question. This is Zach, a.k.a. Monkadoodle. Hi. Hey. <laughs> oh, my God. Leela says hi, too. <laughs> Hello. Hi, how you doing? Said hi as well. Hey, nice to meet you. Your mom's pretty cool, not going to lie. I know, right? <laughs> I really brag to her, to all of my friends, and all of my friends want my mom to be their mom. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, and, you know, any parents who get their kids into the MIP Giants are the coolest parents, so... Yep. Nice. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm probably one of the most supportive moms ever. So wait, are you the one that said this had optimistic guitar? Was that you? Optimistic guitar? You said last night when we were talking about it, I was saying it was kind of a doom and gloom song. You said yeah. if I really listened to the guitar, it was optimistic. Yeah, because the guitar, when they say he's climbing the wall, it's like, dun, 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 dun. and that's like, I don't know, it feels like he's climbing the wall to somewhere like great, like Mount Everest or something, you know? Yeah, like Mount Everest. I like that. Yeah, it's climbing. Oh, I forgot about that part in the chords. My God. Playing this song. Yeah, I was just relearning how to play the melody along with the with the bass. Because the if you do an inverted C for the C chord, it literally climbs up. The chord the the piano climbs up the bass. This song, the left hand, if you're playing it on piano, is literally climbing up the scale. And the melody's going down while the chords are coming up, so my hands actually meet on the same D. I'm starting on a low D and a high D, an octave apart. Sorry, two octaves apart. And the left hand comes up while the right hand's going down, and you you end up colliding on the same D and then drop back down. It's the f- most fun thing to play. <laughs> but then, yeah, that interlude... Where it changes to the C, well, it changes to F the second time. Uh, that's the part you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gets real happy real quick. Like, it does an E minor and an A minor, which are not in the keys of this song, like, at all. So it's just another genius Linnell thing where it's like, hey, this song's in three keys, but also I'm going to like do this cool way to modulate. Like he could have just slammed from B flat major to F major, but he's like, no, I'm going to do this little thing. Check it out. How does it work so well? Like how does he make it sound like such a cohesive song? 
you know he's been doing it since birdhouse since before that like birdhouse i i covered birdhouse in the style of nirvana circa like in utero nirvana and like i down tuned my bass to have a low d and all this so it's does it also start in d but it modulates a million times and i'm like oh i'll learn birdhouse like any day might be giants fan like oh i just learned guitar i'll learn birdhouse in your soul and then you look at the chord progression you're like Maybe not. I'll save that one. I'll learn it in two years. You know, like, it's bonkers. Linnell is just a genius. Like, Flans has some great chord progressions, but as a guitarist, there's certain chords you just learn to avoid. Like, not not even, like, like, like subconsciously, you're like, I hate playing an F minor chord. I'm just, like, not going to write any songs that have F minor in them and certainly aren't in the key of F minor. You just avoid things. Well, as a pianist, you're like, well, I just got to play a few more black keys. Like, whatever. It's fine. So Linnell's progressions tend to be more complicated than Flans's. Flans can hold his own. But, yeah, it's it's bonkers. Um, I, you know, while you're here, I think, Susie, I think we should play the screwed up uh let's jump to the exquisite dead guys cover so i want zach here to to hear this might be a podcast at bandcamp.com a live tribute to they might be giants this was the very first thing i posted ever on the bandcamp for this might be a podcast so this was april 22nd 2019 was when i posted it the episode was february of 2019 um when Zach was in diapers, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, if you, <laughs> so this is, I didn't put it as the last track of the compilation, but I think this was the very last song played in the whole, or at least one of the last three songs, the whole name was like 1am. Our guitarist was drunk. One? The exquisite dead guys. Yes. The exquisite dead guys is me, me, Jerome, me and Jerome on drums. Our guitarist was a fill-in guitarist, so instead of my friend Matt Monta, it was Parker Denny, and he fucks it all kinds of up. So uh, let's listen to it. You don't need to listen to the whole thing um, to get your thoughts on it, but let's. Uh, I'll drop it in right here. I can't talk. I gotta go. Don't call me back. I won't get the door. Got to fall. i 
done with the floor. Done. That's my favorite lyric. Done with the floor. Yeah. Done with the floor. Done with it. I'm done. <laughs> I think I did all right with the using up my teeth. I think I did okay with that part. Yeah, I think it sounded good. I could see what you meant about the, the guitar having a little issue at one point, but uh, no. Jerome's doing good on drums. I liked it. What do yeah. you think? You like yeah. it? I want to see that live. Do you, does Exquisite Dead Guys ever like perform like in a venue? Well, this was live. That's why it's so bad. <laughs> this was the first live episode of They Might Be Giants was about this. Or, I mean, of This Might Be a Podcast was about the song Don't Let's Start. So we did a live roundtable and we talked about it. And you can listen to that. It's in the regular podcast feed. Oh, there's the synths thing I did. Um, and then afterwards, we basically had an open mic. So if you go through that a live tribute to They Might Be Giants, I'm all over it. So... All right. Yeah. So I, I don't want to take your uh, afternoon, Zach. But I did want to meet uh, some of the family. I was I was saying that you should pick you should pick a song, and we should have the whole uh, Van Skink family on for an episode, <gasps> like Ooh. like next year or something. Yeah, that'd be like fun if we could all get in the same room. <laughs> yeah. No, we'd 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 schedule it in advance. We'd have to record out. that one from Pittsburgh, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we do group. We could do a group call. You know, yeah. we could do. You could all be on different computers. Oh, even, yeah, yeah. You that's know, right. we're in that we'll do a group group Google Google call Meet call. Yeah. Yes. Let's do it. Yes, for all right. Sure. Thanks for having me on. It was nice to meet. you. Yeah. Of course. Nice to meet you too. After hearing <laughs> all about for, you. Yeah. Thank you for interviewing my lovely mother here. She literally <laughs> the goddess of <laughs> giants. Like, <laughs> she like brings up just a random they might be giants lyric that will be perfectly fit in a conversation. Almost. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I parental advice via they might be giants lyrics. Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. So um, let's move on to Ian Lynn's cover. Ian, I-A-N, Lynn, L-I-N-N, on YouTube, Climbing the Walls, They Might Be Giants cover. Here it is. I can't talk, I gotta go. Don't call me back, I won't get the door. Got to focus on the job, cause I got a new job. Climbing the walls. I was grinding my teeth, I was wasting my youth. I'm a big fan of the the nasal vocals. Yeah. Because as someone who loves They Might Be Giants and The Mountain Goats, both of which people will be like, I don't like their voice. And I'll be like, I love their voice. So this <laughs> this person's voice, it's even more nasal, yeah, but I love it. It is, and I like the sort of uh, kind of crunchy guitar in the background. Crunchy is a perfect uh descriptor and i like the art it's just this wavy it's person it's a cat climbing the wall i think yeah. some, from some old cartoon i can't tell because it's so warped yeah very good ian lynn 
let's move on to Kesfall. Now, Kesfall is a guy named Keith. I'm trying to get him on the show. I've never talked to him, but he has done literally one million They Might Be Giants covers. Okay. And this is oh, 12 yeah. years ago. So this song was a lot newer uh, when he did it here. An afternoon with my guitar and They Might Be Giants. We've heard him a lot on this show. Let's hear him do Climbing the Walls. I can't talk, I gotta go Don't call me back, I won't get the door I got to focus on the job Cause I got a new job Climbing the walls I was grinding my teeth I was wasting my youth And using up my teeth Now I'm done chewing my nails Hanging my head Chasing my tail It got so bad I quit my job Then I got a new job Climbing the walls Too much junk Too much junk Can we please clear out this house Now do you notice anything Right from when he starts singing So he did the same thing Where he didn't have Like he didn't give himself a note well, here's the thing. He changed the key. Oh. If you see his... So you're not a guitarist, but yeah. if you look at his hand... Because immediately, like, I'm like, he's singing it lower. He's doing it in the key of B minor instead of D minor. It does... So yeah. He's, he's lowering it a third. Yeah. He's lowering it. He's lowering the whole song a minor third. So then when he gets to the F part, he's actually in D major... And when he gets to the B-flat part, he's actually in G major. Okay. So he's making it actually a better guitar core, uh, a keys. He's making it into an easier guitar song. And so I think he probably played through it in the original key and got to the, you sing up my team. He's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, my range, you know, maybe he's more of a baritone than a tenor. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like Very it. good job, he, Keith, I think as you usual. did a really good job. It sounds great. Yeah. Okay. Now, Spooky Girls. This is a good one. So I bought their whole album because they did Spooky Girls. You've heard on episodes, every episode of the else, Spooky Girls has been in the cover section because they did the entire album. And I decided to track them down. Um, So let's listen to their version of Climbing the Walls. And then I've got some inside information from them that I will lay on y'all. Oh, I just got a group text from both of them. From uh, Ian, Ian and Adam. All right, let's listen to Ian and Adam do spooky uh, girls doing climbing the walls. Tail. 
got so bad I quit my job and I got a new job climbing the walls. Too much junk, too much junk. Can we please clear out this house? In the trunk, in the trunk, and then we'll take Okay, I like that. Yeah. It sounds like just a mic is in somebody's kitchen. Like you hear like <laughs> clanking around. Uh, <laughs> I just I like I'm, how they came together. I'm 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 now on a Facebook message thread with Adam and Ian, Spooky Girls, and I'm typing to them right now. I'm actually talking about your climbing the walls cover. <laughs> literally <laughs> right now uh yeah <laughs> uh it's so good so let me um read to to you where okay okay so um here's what so yeah then adam went and listened to a bunch of episodes that they were on hadn't so they, they hadn't heard the podcast before um, but I was like, I said, <laughs> I found Adam Hosack. I said, are you in Sp- Spooky Girls? Yeah, what's up? And then I said all about this. Like, what? <laughs> we made that cover album in a month or two in the summer of 2012. Very much a continuation of various album a day projects we had done together. So cool. That's gained an audience. So, uh, yeah. So they said, it's so funny to just have made a thing like 10 years ago and see it being picked up in the world. And I said, yeah, would you two want to be in an episode? So then we started talking, and they're going to pick a song and be on. But um, Withered Hope, Stan Harrison talked about theirs on Withered Hope. So, okay, let's see. So here's some insight into this particular cover, because this whole album is great. Go to the spookygirls.bandcamp.com. Spookygirls.bandcamp, not the spooky girls. Spooky girls. Um, okay. Climbing the Walls was a fun one. I mean, they were all pretty fun. or They were all fun, pretty much, lol. We wanted to try to do a big atmospheric pirate ship thing, but knew nothing about sound design. <laughs> and uh, then I said, uh, the booming drums in Climbing the Walls were us slamming the cupboards in Ian's dad's house. <laughs> and then uh, they texted uh, Ian. And so Ian's response, Ian sang lead on that one. We did probably three or four overdubs of drunk pirate vibes to fill out the chorus of voices. All the percussion was cups and cupboards from Ian's dad's house. With each of the songs, we wanted to not spend too long on them. I think to keep ourselves from getting stressed out and because we had worked that way from other album a day projects. Young Dirt Squad and Andrew Carnegie and The Child of Three are some of the album a days we did after the else. I'm not familiar with any of those. So <laughs> I, I should check them out though. So I think we spent maybe a day on this one which is on the longer side <laughs> lol ian was doing most of the producing for all the songs and i played keys and guitar and parentheses terrible bass ian played uke and banjo i lost that rain stick in a breakup lol <laughs> and ian said i love that one it always bothered me that some of the cupboard percussion timing is off but i remember it being hard to play a cupboard on the beats <laughs> <laughs> incredible i love this one it's so good yeah i I like it too just like the clanking of everything and knowing that it is they're literally keeping the beat with the kitchen that's that's crazy his 
Ian's dad's kitchen. Yeah, I, I like incredible. all of the covers that you sent me. I don't think there's a clunker in any of them. I don't think so either. So let's move on to guest host. Now, guest host is someone who's a mystery to me as well for a long time. If you go to the band camp, it's a picture of, I know now, his name is Joel Yellowitz, holding a candle or a lighter under his chin, a very, a very kind of creepy looking picture. Well, not creepy, but like a ghost story picture. Huntsville, Alabama. Now, uh, Joel is a cardiologist. <laughs> Joel is a very smart fella, uh, and his, both him and his wife have been patrons of the show uh, I think just he is now. It doesn't make sense that they would both need to be patrons. That doesn't make sense. Uh, they share a home. But uh, so here's his version of climbing the walls off of Miserable Freak Show Quarterly, which is all They Might Be Giants songs on guest host one, guest host uh, numeral one, .bandcamp.com. Let's check it out. I can't talk. I got to go. Don't call me back. I won't get the love the keys they sound like you know like fake kind of chime bells or something like it sounds like intentional like synthesized like fake and then the grinding my teeth the, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> love I that i like the like, um the way the drum comes in in the too much jump oh yeah Oh yeah, yeah, and I, and I like the keyboard in the background. Another good one, like not like I said, not a clunker in the mix. Yeah, if you go through Joel's Bandcamp, there's just like a bajillion They Might Be Giants covers, so you, you'd enjoy it. And everyone should go guesthost1.bandcamp.com. Now let's go to RudyReboots.bandcamp.com. This is uh, Giants uh, Rudy Reboots Giants, a ska punk tribute to They Might Be Giants. Now this just came out in 2020 in 2022. December of 2022, so it's less than a year old. I wanted to be a part of this. I'm like, I want to do a ska version of Four of Two. <laughs> Never had the, didn't just didn't have the time. But it's a very cool comp. I should listen to it in full actually when I'm on my drive today. But the the uh, Maiko Pancoco is the artist title. <laughs> I don't know who this really is. <laughs> um, but uh, let's listen to them do climbing the walls as a ska song. Okay. Now I'm done, chewing my nails, hanging my head. 
kind of like electro ska. It's cool. And again, there's an intro before the vocals come in. It's got this jittery kind of like trap drums. I don't know if you're familiar with trap music. <laughs> you dig it? Yeah, I do. I, I had a little ska phase. And so it's, <laughs> didn't we all? Are you talking about like, are you talking about like rude boy, like second wave ska or was it when third wave ska was hot in the nineties? You know, I'm not sure what wave it would have been, but it would have been in like the late eighties, early nineties. Um, okay. So like the specials, yeah. there you go. Man, yes. madness. What madness. about uh, operation Ivy? Um, operation Ivy. Don't know about them. Uh, okay. They were a little more ragged East Bay kind of thing. They, uh, two, two of them went on to form rancid. Okay. Oh, okay. Got pretty big. Um, yeah. Yeah, I liked the specials and um, and Madness and English Beat. Fantastic! Yeah. All all great, all great. Um, yeah. But so, so hearing that they might be giant song in ska, I think it's really cool. Yeah. And I think it's pretty creative. Now for our last one, this is from the covers crew. Now Joel Yalowitz is part of the covers crew. But he didn't record that one for the covers crew. It was before I even knew who he was. But the covers crew, I play their covers in full. Now this is recency bias, which is Gloria, which is sorry, Glory Mickelhenny and Eric Roberts, otherwise known as Puerco Music and Carmen Sparkles. <laughs> they formed recency bias as their duo. I can't talk. I gotta go. Don't call me back. I won't get the door. Gotta fold. On the job, cause I got a new job climbing the walls. I was grinding my teeth, I was wasting my youth and using up my teeth. Now I'm done chewing my nails, hanging my head, chasing my tail. It got so bad, I quit my job, and I got a new job climbing the walls. Too much junk, too much junk Can we please clear out this house? In the trunk, in the trunk And then we'll take it off to the dump Then we won't need a car Cause we'll stay where we are And I'll have all this room I got time for pacing the floor Sick of it all, I'm done with the floor since I got a new job climbing the walls I was grinding my teeth I was wasting my youth and using up my teeth now I'm done chewing my nails hanging my head chasing my tail it got so bad I quit my job then I got a new job climbing the walls They pretend, they don't really know how deep it goes Now I'm misunderstood, thought the wall was just good Fall staring blankly at I got tired of pacing the floor Sick of it all, I'm done with the floor Walked away ever since I got a new job Climbing the walls Chewing my nails, hanging my head, chasing my tail. It got so bad, 
quit my job and I got a new job Climbing the walls, I got a new job Climbing the walls, I got a new job Climbing the walls I love it. Yeah, I like it. I like that one too. And I like how each cover does their own little take on how they're going to do that, yeah. the deep end part. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I like that. I thought the voices were really solid. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. Okay, that's all the covers. It's time to score this freaking song. <laughs> uh, what are you giving this song out of 10? Um, you know, because it's my favorite one off the album and it's a song that my whole family loves and we each it resonates with each of us for different reasons and it's just an out and out banger and the more i talk about it the more i like it i'm gonna give Mm -hmm. it i'm gonna give it a 9.7 very nice so i am giving this song a perfect 10 now (laughs) <laughs> yes as we talked about i'd love this song like if you've you heard a cover of me doing it four years ago like i have loved this song since it came out and i've been covering it for over f- four years and appreciating its chord progressions and its keyboard parts uh and its melody the range of its melody the creativeness of the key changes and just talking about it today and me and you kind of going through like the metaphors and like, what could this be really? What's he really saying? Oh, he's talking about stuff that I deal with uh, pers- on a personal level, like on a deep personal level with the mental health issues. And um, it's just fucking uh Incredible! It's an incredible song. It's, it's got low saxophone that I love. It's got a, it's got cool crunchy guitars. It's got fuzz bass by Mr. Danny Weinkoff. It is just a perfect song. I'm giving it a ten. And now you haven't heard this episode yet because it hasn't come out. But I gave Cyclops Rock a ten. Did you really? Four episodes ago. Okay. Yeah. And because I'm like, and it wasn't just because I think Flans needed a ten, but he does have one now. I just decided that. Like, I love Bangs, but Cyclops Brock should have been the opener of Minkar. It opens up the gigantic documentary, if you remember. Like, the the cool, like, uh, artsy fanfare montage. It goes through, like, a whole bunch of songs, mm-hmm. but it starts out with ding, dong, ding. I tell you how to Cyclops Rock. So, that was a 10. So, I've actually given a 10 not too long ago. That was my eighth 10. This is my ninth 10 given. So I've only given nine songs a perfect 10, and this is episode 240 something. Okay. Right. So that shows you just how good a song has to be. Right. For me, you know, it's it's subjective. It is a perfect 10 for me. It's as good as Dr. Worm. It's as good as Birdhouse. It's as good. I mean, she's an angel. It's as good as those. Like the melody, the creative chord progression. The rockingness of it. It's fucking rocks. Yeah. You know? God damn. It's a 10. Yeah. It's a 10. Uh, I love the melody and, you know, going back to what got me back into They Might Be Giants in the first place was I was craving melody. And yeah. uh, they're just the masters of melody. They are. Um yeah, both both of them, both yeah. Johns. I mean, Linnell obviously has my number, but They Might Be Giants wouldn't be the same without Flans. No, absolutely like, not. I love State Songs. State Songs is 
a fantastic album, but it's not a perfect album. No. Linnell was following his obsession with like the carousel organ reels, <laughs> and that's a super interesting thing. But like sometimes I skip Illinois, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I'm from Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like you're just you're hearing like a merry go round. You're hearing a carousel go around, <laughs> which is super interesting. But the song is not a perfect. I mean, the record is not a perfect record. Yeah, I agree. Linnell is n- is at his peak when Flans is with him. Exactly, and, and that's why they've lasted as long as they have. And you know, mm-hmm. we just saw them. They kicked off this leg of their tour in 2023 in Richmond. So you yeah. know, my husband and Zach and I went, and it was just. Like they know what they're doing. Uh, When they opened it up with synopsis for latecomers, like the crowd went nuts. I bet. Yeah. I bet. So we're at the plug section. You want to tell people, I know you want to plug uh, your kids, which uh, is such a mom move. Jeez. But do you want to tell people where to find you Um, on social media? Well, yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not the most active person on earth, but if you want to find me, I am at Crow Van Robot, which is an homage to one of my favorite TV shows, which I will Mystery Science Theater 3000. Nice. <laughs> I thought, okay, yeah, of course. So, um, of course. Or Susie Van Kenobi. Uh, if you <laughs> also are good. interested at all in anything that my Pittsburghian is studying, uh, his professional mm-hmm. Twitter is at Reed Van Skank, which is R E E D. V-A-N-S-C-H-E-N-C-K, and he's uh, studying uh, digital media and the reconstitution of white supremacist networks. Wow. Yeah. Uh, So he does a lot about, like, the reactionary web, digital media, um, and with a focus on uh, platform governance upon reactionary online cultures. Wow. So if you're interested in that sort of stuff, uh, that's where you'd want to go. And if you are somebody who needs any kind of art, album art, visualizers, music videos, even little uh, thumbnail avatars for your Spotify, uh, go to monkadoodle.art. And that's M-O-N-K-E-D-O-O-D-L-E dot art. Uh, and that is Zach, who we met earlier. Uh, that's his art page. He's a junior at VCU Arts in Richmond. Uh, and, he's, you know, he's not trying to wait till graduating to start getting his art out there. Uh, yeah, of course um, not. Yeah, Abby Abby was doing work for me when she was still in art school. Yeah. And now she's graduated. She's, she's, you know, she has to work a day job. Right. But I like to pay my talented friends to do their their talented things and and you know you know like i can doodle i could make artwork for my own stuff but i want to pass it off to people that uh are doing their thing yeah you know making a go of it and are more talented than i am in the (laughs) visual department so yes i will definitely be hitting up your son for a visualizer sounds like a super cool idea for like the next like the outdoor velour single that comes out before the album. yeah that'd be be awesome might be like uh, september or october or something (laughs) Yeah. So awesome. Thanks so much, Susie, for being on and talking so long. And and sorry about moving the times all around. Oh, no, and stuff was, like that was that. fine. <laughs> thanks again. Well, thanks a bunch. This was so much fun. Yeah.